You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Alright everyone, welcome to another issue of Imagine If. Today's a very special podcast. We have guests here. We are at FanQuest in Yuma, Arizona. We are talking Action Comics 1000. Isn't that right, Chris? Yep, we're here to celebrate 80 years of Superman. And to make this even better, we've called in the league. We brought in some of our fellow comic book collectors and fans to share some great memories of Superman and talk about 1000. That's right. We're going to talk about the issue, uh, the specific issue of Action 1000. But then also we want to talk about... Uh, you know, Superman and how it relates to you or whether or not you like Superman, you know, what what is it that has stuck with you for Superman for the time that you have been reading him? So, uh, let's go ahead and start off with a, a roll call. Over on our left. Hey everybody, it's Mobile Rafi here. What's your collection here on behalf of this new machine? That's us. <laughs> here with my partner in crime, the great mystical Andy Canchola. Hello, I'm Andy. I'm really happy to be here. Excited. I need a hype man like Mobile Rock. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, it's that a was feeling fucking you awesome. get inside. I'm just excited because it's that Superman in the air. Yes. <laughs> Hello, my name is Juan Reyes. I'm here just to talk about my favorite uh, part-time to our post-time thing, uh, comics, and also one of my favorite heroes too, Superman, so let's see how this goes. <laughs> Yeah, my name's Mike Shelton, a Yuma City Council member who happens to be a comic book collector. And I have uh, been with Superman for a long time. I could take it back to when I was four years old. And I've uh, been with him for a long time. Ray Whitaker, let's talk about his death. (laughs) Let's talk about Bendis. The end is coming. <laughs> He's coming back. I mean, we definitely got to see uh, what Bendis has in store for Superman in the last story of Action 1000. So uh, we'll have to see what it is that he has for the rest of his run, you know, going going forward from here. Yeah, I mean, when he comes into Superman, he's going to be relaunching it with Man of Steel. And it's funny because talking about what Ray mentioned there, Death of Superman, um, there's pivotal points when people really... Like when fandom started taking over in comic shops and, and comics were starting to get more focused, there's like some real big entry eras of Superman. And you've got, you know, 1986 with John Byrne's Man of Steel and then 1992's Death of Superman. And now we're going to have Brian Michael Bendis coming up with Man of Steel coming back again. So these are those are some pivotal errors. So it's kind of funny that like the Alpha and Omega, those are some big you know entry points to Superman. Let's talk about that John Byrne though. Uh, uh, the first time he did Man of Steel, uh, what was that ushering in? So that would have uh, Man of Steel was a six issue miniseries it happened in 1986. So 1986, we're coming fresh out of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, DC celebrating its 50th anniversary, and you've got how many Supermen running around? You know, you've got Superman of Earth One, Earth Two, right. um, all over the place. And you know, for one of Superman's major taglines being the last son of Krypton, you have all these. I mean, you had a Kryptonian horse, a Kryptonian monkey. <laughs> so it's like, how many people actually survived off of Krypton? You know, so DC wanted to mainstream, um, uh, streamline their continuity and the character of Superman, and that's why a lot of major goals happened. Why Supergirl was killed in. Um, 
Crisis on Infinite Earth. So when John Byrne got lured over from Marvel Comics to come to DC, they gave him the the greatest character in their stable, Superman. And basically that was the 1986 Superman Begins, Starts, and the whole new origin. You know, I I know a couple of you guys have definitely read that. I kind of felt John Byrne, he brought some of, like, the X-Men to Superman. Because now we're seeing, you know... Clark Kent as a teenager dealing with his powers, which is very much like an X-Men mytho, you know? So I don't know. How did you feel about that, Mike? I'll tell you one thing. I, I can't really comment on that right now because what's in my mind is the original death of Superman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Superman number 149, the last 10-cent issue in which it was built as an imaginary story and Lex Luthor kills Superman by blood transfusing green kryptonite into his blood veins. He just can't get out. He doesn't get out. And he actually kills Superman. Now I want to tell you, when I got that issue, the original issue in 1961, I cried. I just cried and I just held my book. I could not believe my hero was dead. And he has it. Larry has it. Welcome, Larry. (laughs) Well, I have the original decayed issue, and then I spent decades looking in comic shops for the the issue. So that is, is. for for me, the original death of Superman. It's minty fresh. (laughs) Yes, it is. So so that's what I think of when I think of death of Superman, and then picking back up in 1992, which actually that... A series with many spinoffs, and I have every single one, uh, brought me back into comics. So I have a, I have a great uh, tie-in with that. Yeah, no, that well, the Death of Superman definitely brought a lot of people in. But well, okay, then out of curiosity, were you out of comics in back in '86? Did you? No, did I you was, do Crisis it, yeah, and, and yeah, Steel. It, I got the Crisis issues later on. I didn't get them when when they were fresh. Mm-hmm. In the '80s, my mind was like somewhere else. I'm like working. And doing other things. And I was in Phoenix then. And then when I came to Yuma, and uh, in fact, I discovered Diane then. Right. As she just finished celebrating her 28th anniversary, to throw that out. Then I got back into comics with Death of Superman and then picking up all kinds of back issues from everywhere. So uh, really, the 1990s became my relaunch back into comics. Yeah, okay. Well, Larry, if you don't mind, we, we got another guy to come in with us. Larry, did you read John Byrne's Man of Steel? Were you, did you check that series out back in 86? I read it after the fact. In, in 80, that time period, I was at ASU and, you know, had a study, had a... <laughs> that, that college always gets in the way of comic books. <laughs> yeah, but I, I remember it, and it, it actually, the, um, that particular crisis... And the reboot of the the DC universe, and they they got rid of all the parallel Earths. It turned me off. No kidding. I mean, I, I, I'm old school. I I, I picked. I started um, reading Superman like four or five years old, also back in the late '60s, and you know, uh, it's they killed off Supergirl. Come on. <laughs> so I was turned off. And I really didn't pick it up again until the 90s. But, uh, you know, I, I caught up again. Mm-hmm. Well, then out of curiosity with everybody else at the table, did anybody else read um, John Byrne's Man of Steel? Did trade paperback version, anything like that by chance? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I have it and I read it. Sure. But I'm not, like, conversant right now right, right, to right. rattle it off. 
but I did enjoy it. Oh. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and I, I, sorry, I hope I didn't cut you off short there. Were you going to add on to what you were saying about with Crisis and, and, and Supergirl's death? Um, not right now. Okay. <laughs> All right, but yeah, so basically uh, Man of Steel, six-issue mini, that was basically what started the uh, post-Crisis Superman, which led to the new updated death of Superman, the one that we're more familiar with. And it's funny because they're even using the logo from that series for um, Brian Michael Bendis when he comes on with his Man of Steel. And that's what I wanted to bring up, the fact that DC obviously made the choice to go ahead and reuse that logo, reuse that title. What does this mean for Superman going forward now that we've hit Action 1000 and he's getting a new mini called Man of Steel? Yeah. Anybody got any... Because at this point, we're just looking at speculation. Um, I mean, I, I imagine everybody here has read Action Comics 1000 and we got that last bit with uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Jim Lee, their story, The Truth. And... I forget the the villain's name, but basically they're introducing a new villain. Rogel Czar. Mogul Czar. Rogel. Rogel. Rogel Czar. There's a lot of R's in there. Yeah. Very intense monster, by the way. I did not like the character design. I'll, I'll just say that now. I, just, I, I agree. It could have been a lot better. I mean, they're going for that whole monstrous buff look, but I don't know. Well, and then the face, too. It's like, like I imagine there's going to be a story there. It's probably right. Jor-El who, yeah. you know burnt half his face off or something but yeah for a Jim Lee design it's kind of like man you've you've had some cooler stuff that just well didn't we just weird. see a, uh, a Jor-El in Oz effect that had half of his face burned too yeah that so yeah it's uh, Dan Jurgens when he was doing the Oz effect so Jor-El was there partway through the explosion of Krypton got teleported out and you know but yeah I don't know maybe everybody looking very two face like is going to be the new thing you know <laughs> Didn't know if it maybe it had to do with uh what was it uh what was it V that that old miniseries no. where they had the lizard people underneath? Oh something? yes, <laughs> the Shitali Anunnaki that live inside the moon base. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Although I, I did like the new V, and I was mad when it got canceled because they really had a good launch, and I don't know why it, it, it got knocked off because it, it was I thought it was very good. Sci-fi has a hard time staying on TV, I think. Well, there we go. <laughs> but uh, with, with Superman, Action Comics, and the number 1000, what was the stories that everybody enjoyed coming out of that book? Rafa. First and foremost, there were a lot of great stories. And I remember on Twitter when uh, Tom King posted his version where everybody could actually read it, right, of tomorrow. That in itself, I mean, that, that gave me a lump in my throat. That was a very sad story, good story, because for me, Superman's all about encompassing that idea of he is who he is because of how he was raised by his adoptive parents, right? Something quite beautiful. But by far, my favorite story would have to be the one never-ending battle, because I feel like Tomasi really was able to incorporate and create a story that is fun because you see Superman engaging throughout a lot of different things, going back through hyperspace, whatever he was going through, just to get back to his birthday party. And I thought the art was great. The the, the heart of it was there. And I just had a great time reading it. You know, that was a fun one because that was Tomasi and Gleason, and they do such a great job together. And I like how it was almost like a, a splash page collection because they even did like the – the shout out to Frank Miller from The Dark Knight Returns, and yes. you know, as Superman's going through essentially his 80 year history and his modern incarnation. And I thought that was a great wrap up and just a nice 
you know, here's a great celebration story. Yeah, that was a fun one. You know, before we get going, could you rattle off the different names of the stories and writers and artists? Yeah, so right off the bat, you get From the City That Has Everything by Dan Jurgens, writer-artist with Norm Rapman Inks, uh, Never Ending Battle by Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, mm-hmm. An Enemy Within by Marv Wolfman and Kurt Swan, The Game by Paul Leviatz and Neil Adams, The Car by Jeff Johns, Richard Donner, and... I always have trouble with his name, Oliver Copiel. Uh, Fifth Season by Scott Schneider and Raphael Albuquerque. Of Tomorrow by Tom King and Clay Mann. Uh, Five Minutes by Luis Simonson and Jerry Ordway. Action Land by Paul Dini and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Faster Than a Speeding Bullet by Brad Meltzer and John Cassidy. And The Truth by Brian Michael Bendis and Jim Lee. So that's the, the, the full lineup of what's inside your Action Comics 1000. And just a quick shout-out, though, looking at people. So you brought up Of Tomorrow by Tom King. Clay Mann did a beautiful job, but I really want to give a big shout-out to Jordi Belair on the colors. I think that that is what made that story even more amazing because it's like, yeah, it's beautiful art and it's, it's great words, but those colors really make it feel like, man, I am on the sun. I'm watching it. I don't think it was the sun. I think it was just the remains of Earth after it's just gone, you know, Flames and everything, but that's, those colors just did so much for that story. Declan Shelby's wife. Nice, did not know that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Andy, did you have a story that you wanted to talk about? Oh, no, I actually read that one. Okay. That one was actually like, <laughs> emotional, and I, and I went to Ralph. I'm like, wait, was that the sun or earth? Like, I was, but uh, yeah, it's earth, and I was just very sad to see it all gone. I mean, and he's the only one living because, I mean, he's indestructible. charged, too, right? Going back going back and seeing those elements of what makes it so beautiful even the scene where he's, he's talking and you can see like his his heat vision but it looks like he's crying uh-huh. like that was a really nice touch yeah mm-hmm. made great. me think of uh I, I don't know to me it made me immediately think of dc one million and uh, the superman that comes out of the sun to hang out with uh the the lois lane that they resurrected and yeah. put into a Synthetic body or something like that, right? Yeah, well, Superman Prime as he yeah. comes out of the sun all golden with a Green Lantern ring. It's like, whoa, overpower. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, I mean, they obviously in that, they, the implications is that he's got his family to live forever with him. I mean, yeah. Lois Lane had the longevity serum or something like that. That tasted like grape and she was tired of it. She was tired of it. <laughs> And I can use something like that. Well, I was gonna, one thing I liked about Superman 1000, actually a couple of things, one never-ending battle was really my favorite, too. Yeah. The overarching uh, theme of multiple Superman uh, uniforms. Yes. Uh, different yeah. uniforms from different eras. And that, that really stood out for me. And and each each story amplified some aspect of Superman's character. And so that's something I really appreciate because his greatest superpower is not all of the physical powers. It's his super heart. That's where it really comes out. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think we've, we've talked about that many times. It's, not, it's, the, it's the way that you're supposed to relate to Superman. It's, it's his upbringing. It's his humanity uh, past being super overpowered, you know, having all those powers. Because, yeah, it's going to be hard to relate to a guy that can walk into the sun and come out unscathed. But... <laughs> The fact that he would do it to sacrifice himself for whoever, someone he loves, is where that's where we're supposed to relate to the Man of Steel. Yeah, well, like piggybacking out there because I know we just talked about that recently. Uh, the issue of Batman Date Night by Tom King, mm-hmm. and I would really love to see Tom King on Superman somehow, like just either a mini series or something. But 
when he has those moments where you know Bruce is talking to Selena. And our, actually, I don't, I don't know if he said it, but it was like either his thoughts or his words. But when he's talking about Superman, it's like this is a guy who could take over the world, do whatever he wants. But yeah, the way he was raised, the character that is inside him is restrained, is so restrained that he, you know, he lives so peacefully among us, and he's just trying to make us better. And King yeah. is able to make them play off of each other so well. Like when they're both talking and saying <laughs> what annoys them about one another, what makes what they like about each other, and then that, that scene where they're just talking, they're going, he makes me want to be better. Yeah. How can I, compared to this person, be my best? And it just shows that they're not, I mean, there's like a little bit of weird strain there because they are best bros, but at the same time, they're not. Right. <laughs> yeah. So all of that aspect, I just think it makes it that much more special and exciting to, to read. But yeah, I completely agree with that. King would make an awesome writer for Superman. And even in the story here, he did a fantastic yes. job. Was it, now, do you think that the whole, the fact that, you know, sometimes they are best bros, sometimes they are kind of at each other's necks, is that like Silver Age and Modern Age kind of trying to mesh together a little bit more? Because, I mean, they had all those stories in the Silver Age where they, they teamed up and world's finest kind of stuff right i imagine that there's a lot of homage to that because you know in the silver age we did they were they were super friends and all that stuff but it's something that i've always thought of in this element is they're both only children so maybe they don't know how to handle like it's like they desperately want to be brothers but they've never had a brother in that regard you know and even then they're both orphans you know granted you know like i mean batman does technically have a dad it's alfred you know, but he's never looked at Alfred in that regard. So it's kind of, you know, they really are that lonely. So maybe there's a part of their psyche that just doesn't want to make a connection to somebody, but they desperately want to make a connection to somebody. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I mean, and there's so doesn't. much respect there because it's both of them could utilize their influence. Really, even though Batman technically doesn't have any superpowers, he still has a lot of influence of what he does and how they use that for good. And how they don't use it for selfish intent. Yeah. And that in itself, I think, really speaks volumes to both of them. And that's what allows them to work together so effectively. And that's, I mean, I loved the New 52 and then going into Rebirth. So when New 52 Superman died and you see Rebirth Superman come back right from pre-Flashpoint. Right. And he's just there and you see them just, Batman had made great friends with that Superman of his time that earth that parallel universe and with him dead you saw that that tension that anger that conflict that problem and you see the relationship that's why i'm so i'm happy that michael bendis is coming in but i thought that the writing for rebirth itself was some of the best storytelling i've read in a long time up there with king's batman which was also fantastic you know it's interesting right before like somebody put this article out like Brian Michael Bendis is going to be the guy who saves Superman and honestly looking at it from rebirth forward I imagine Larry have you been reading uh, Superman rebirth and forward have you been up to that Mike what about yourself you guys yeah I'm on and off as much as I can uh huh yeah okay Mike how about you well I'll be honest with you I I was mad with New 52 because the New 52, it, like, destroyed the storylines that <laughs> well, yeah. were going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, uh, Superman um, uh, gro- grounded that storyline, which was powerful, well done, on an on a in- increasingly powerful uh, bit of tension when he was going to declare himself a citizen of Earth and not just of the United States. And there was the uh, possibility that the American government might take a kryptonite bullet and put an end to this. 
But there were there were some interesting storylines that were running through and ended with that. So I'm not so happy. <laughs> well, but, but, but I was, and I and I, ha- and I have not continued reading that much of the new Fifty Two. Well, Demol, I was looking at more of the Rebirth stuff. So since after they yeah. did DC Universe Rebirth, yeah. and this is the one that did bring the post crisis Superman back. Yeah. And you had the Superman book by uh, Oh gosh, uh, Pete Tomasi and, and Patrick Gleason, mm-hmm. and then Action Comics with Dan Jurgens. <clears throat> like that's definitely bringing you know more the the post crisis classic Superman mm-hmm. back. I was just curious I have how not, you felt. I, I have not kept up with that. Okay. So someone else will have to chime in <laughs> and, and give their perspective. What I liked, well, oh, yeah, please, no, actually, one I was going to ask you. Uh, what I liked about the new 52 Superman is they explored the, um, let's just say, the Lois and uh, uh, Clark relationship never happened, and let's just go with... Uh, this is, uh, somebody else with uh, actually Wonder Woman <laughs> that actually went yeah. in, <laughs> but uh, then again, I'd, I didn't hear too many co- uh, complaints about that too. You know, it was interesting. Yeah, when they they decided to finally have Superman and, and Wonder Woman together in New Fifty Two, but I'm glad that with Rebirth it brought Lois and Clark and actually giving them a family. I thought that was neat. I'm going to segue back a second though. So, Larry, I noticed you have a copy of World's Finest. It's very much a Silver Age copy, and obviously, World's Finest was a Superman Batman book. So, kind of talking about the relationship between Superman and Batman. What made you bring that issue out? Well, I was talking about this with um, Mike Sheldon before. Um, People have sort of forgotten. This is actually a Bronze Age, World's Finest. I believe it's September of it's number two forty, September of seventy six, seventy five, about that age. Anyways, this is the only comic up until the death of Superman. I think it was in ninety three. Yeah, around that. Yeah, ninety two, ninety three. Yeah. In this comic, people have forgotten, but Superman actually died in this comic. So. Sheldon wanted to read it. Well, pass it over. <laughs> it's not an imaginary story like 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 uh like so I don't know. I, I, I think it is. I have to give you my critique. <laughs> well, no, but that's funny though because the cover shows you know King Superman. And, and we were just talking about that. Yes, Superman. Yes, that's just execute. Takes over King, the world. King Superman. Um, the president goes tell, tells Batman we got to get rid of Superman. You know, get the kryptonite bullet, and there you have it. (laughs) And that's what's funny. That's why I was really curious to see what people's thoughts were in the 80s, because, again, when Frank Miller did Batman's The The Dark Knight Returns, and everybody, like, even in the industry, they were writing Frank, like, I think it was Dick Gordiano, and he wrote to Frank Miller, and he's like, you just fucking killed Superman and Batman's friendship. I hate you for that. But yet, here's an issue of World's Finest, and like you were saying, it's not an imaginary story. I'm pretty sure Batman being told to assassinate Superman, that might put a little bit of a hindrance on their friendship. I don't know. Call me old-fashioned, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got something to say. All right, what you got, Ray? (laughs) So, I don't know about the baby boomers here and their death of Superman, (laughs) but as a Gen Xer, -er, he died from a monster, (laughs) and there's no way around that. Um... That's to me. That was more of an exciting death than the injection of lick or injection of kryptonite. Mm-hmm. I never read that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that's before my time. But you know, Doomsday. Yeah. No, that's true. Like yeah. I think all of us actually mentioned that that yeah. that 1992 death of Superman. Like I know that brought me into FanQuest. Yeah. You know, like I remember when that storyline was going on. You know, I remember clipping out one of the newspaper articles in the Yuma Daily Sun, 
buying the actual 75th issue at the Walgreens and then finally like oh I better go find a comic book store and that's how I met mm-hmm. Diane and I know that's what brought most of us back into this store brought us into this hobby mm-hmm. you know or either mm-hmm. got us into it I know that story just has huge ramifications mm-hmm. you know at the time it was one of the best selling comics of its day um, yeah it was powerful and I think it's interesting because with uh, you just mentioned the number 149 I think it yeah. was the, that, that, that death of Superman you know back then it was it's a three part story and it's worthwhile it's definitely worth a read but it's it's very entrenched in its era just like people will say the 1992 death of Superman is entrenched in its era but it's funny how that was a three part story in one comic book and then the death of Superman was a seven part story in seven comic books things like that so it's just funny to watch how the industry changes and even then another death of Superman Superman that a lot of us I don't think associate as a death of Superman, but All Star Superman, he's dying in that story. Yeah, you know, and that's right. another one. And it's you know now there's a twelve part story yeah. death yeah. of yeah. Superman. And yeah. I think like DC Comics by law every decade it's like we have to do a death of Superman, we have to do an origin of Superman because there's so many different you know like it's neat to ask people like well what's your definitive origin of Superman or what's your definitive death? Wait, sure. Let me uh, piggyback. On his comment on the most recent death of Superman, it is Batman v Superman. Or Superman oh, the, the, the first movie death. Yeah, yeah, the movie, which I think you're referring to. Yeah, the death of the uh, DC uh, franchise. Which, yeah. which, 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 <laughs> which kind of arc kind of the 1992 Superman with yes. right now. And here's what I liked about that. Although I did not like Batman beating Superman, <laughs> I, 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 I agree. Batman will to that. always beat Superman. No, always no. Than Superman. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> not in no way. Because Superman but, has a conscience, and he's not going to use his power before. Well, Batman has gonna, a bigger conscience. No, 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 no. He has a bigger ego. That's what no, he, he has. does. That too. He well, does. No, but here, but in here, that movie, he actually kills. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. uh, fair enough. Well, yeah, well, in well, that course. plane, he actually shot at, at, at those yeah. Um, yeah. at those. Um, at those um, henchmen that were actually f- actually firing on him, and he had no uh, qualms about actually uh, riddling. He just kneecapped them. He, yeah. he, he broke well, their kneecaps. Well, 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 okay. well, you see him blow somebody else. Well, yeah. well, here's, the, here's the best thing about it, which strengthens my faith in the Man of Steel, <laughs> and that when Superman dies against Doomsday, he dies heroically. Yes. Yes. He sacrifices himself. He gives himself. He gives his body. Now he didn't want to die, but he was willing to die, and and the threat to the world is eliminated, but, more or less. And what a way to go, though! Just fighting to the death in a fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> but see, the way that that movie sets it up, he doesn't need to die. He needlessly sacrifices himself. Wonder Woman could have easily took it, taken that sphere and, and killed Doomsday. Like, there's absolutely no reason why Superman needed to die at the end of that movie. Easily, what, what, what's easily, she's killed other. <laughs> she actually could have thrown feet. the spear. <laughs> yeah. She's an Amazon in the train. Swiped it away. You had to like dig it in. And, and she could have done that. I mean. But she, might, but she well, might have she, died. What a waste that it would have been. Yeah, yeah then we wouldn't have gotten her movie, I guess, but that's okay. <laughs> it would be terrible. No, her movie actually... Uh, it is a prequel. Yeah, it takes it place a prequel. Further yeah. time. <laughs> I'm just saying, the, the way that that movie is set up, and we're getting off topic, the way that movie is set up is he needlessly sacrifices himself, but fair enough. Uh, well, well, go ahead. But going to that, <laughs> we, we can't leave I don't want to tangent too far, but yes, Arguably, yes, Superman didn't have to die, and Wonder Woman probably could have taken it. But the way I read that situation was Superman made a call in his mind knowing that 
if they took time, maybe they would have been able to stop Doomsday in a different way. But at that point, he might have gone somewhere else. He might have killed many, many people. And already in the back of his mind, he already has that conscience of all these people died when I fought General Zod. And so he made a call to sacrifice himself in order to have the most life saved. And so it was a quick thing. And that's what I thought was beautiful because ultimately Superman is a story about bringing people together, right? And I think it's very interesting how when we started this conversation, <laughs> there were like five to six people at this table and we've been slowly amassing more and more. <laughs> and that's good because it showcases the power that the narrative can bring. Because, yeah, we can talk about Superman being stronger than a locomotive. We can say that New 52 wasn't that good. We could say that Michael Bendis might be the worst mistake they've ever made about <laughs> Superman. I'm not saying that, but you never know. Jury's out on that. Though. Everybody's going to have their opinion, though. Right, yeah. but it showcases the beauty of what this story could bring because Superman is ultimately the symbol of hope and justice and I think that in itself brings a lot of people together whether or not you want to look at it a darker edge a lighter edge but these stories really brought out a lot of things and one thing that it really brought out is in one of the stories specifically when we have the very first one right from the city that has everything we have a time where Superman doesn't like that that spotlight Right, All these people want to celebrate Superman Day, and he's trying to find every excuse in the book to not go. But Lois makes it very clear, this is the one time they want to say thank you to you. And so you have to be the bigger man and be there. And it takes and the power of the Justice League to keep him it really does. Like, in one space. <laughs> as I was reading, I'm like, oh, whatever, why is it starting with this story? But as I kept reading it, I was like, okay, I get this. It has more of the heart and the soul of what a Superman story is supposed to be. And how he's touched individuals in their everyday life. He had... Well, uh, like we were talking about, you have Captain Sawyer come up and talk about how the science police can take care of just about ninety nine percent of all the problems in Metropolis, but there's that one percent that they're gonna they need Superman, and he usually comes through. There's the there's the reform the one, criminal. The reform that criminal. That's always like, gonna come through. He's like, yeah, I've, I've been a henchman so many times, and you know, Superman. Every time he apprehended me, he always had hope that I could do better, and now I finally have a better job, and I'm finally doing it the right way. Yeah, those. and I think uh, Rafi was was hitting it on the nail. I mean, and we what we've been saying. I mean, 80 years of this character, everybody has their own version of Superman in their head, has a story that they know that they want to tell of Superman or how they see Superman. Is he the ultimate protector? Is he the ultimate immigrant? Is he, you know, how, how you, you see him is definitely different than the way that someone else sees him. Yeah, because he's what, he's what you need. Yeah. You know, he's that type of character. Because it's funny talking, like, piggybacking off a New 52 argument, but, like, I loved Truth. I mean, I, I read New 52 oh, Superman, yeah. but when they did that truth one... Superman. Yeah, you know, when he basically like lost his powers, he had the shorter hair, he's riding around on a motorcycle. I just thought that was such a cool moment. And for me, it, that, that just showcases Superman never giving up. Uh, well, let's see, I'm going to go forward. So, Juan, what was your favorite story in Action Comics 1000? Well, actually, mine was... Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Mine was also a never-ending battle, but the one that I I just like liked to was um, about five minutes. It just <laughs> it just uh, basically shows like you know like it's just like how he basically is like uh, at the planet uh, doing his thing and then just uh, goes off to be Superman. Then comes back and completes everything <laughs> that he needs to actually to be a successful re- reporter or 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 journalist or you know as they say yeah no, that was and, a and shout out that they brought back Bibbo for this one <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that was that five minutes Louis Simonson and Jerry Ordway still has it he was very much a very pivotal uh, Superman artist for the eighties and nineties and he still has that great art and I like that and what a great like like 
still showing that the, the 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 news industry how it is. You know, it's like you know Perry's yelling at him like you got to get this story done, and then all of a sudden he hears an emergency. He's like, well, I could fix that in two minutes and still beat my five minute deadline, <laughs> and he does it. And then by the time he comes back, he's like, all right, story's done. That's old news, Kent. I need something else. And, <laughs> and it was neat to see that you know see Perry in that light, Babowski back in it. Like he was such a great. I mean, he's very much a again an eighties nineties character, but that's one of those staples from the era of Superman. I like so yeah, that's a that's a great one. Oh, and uh, just one little uh, thing, a uh, tangent I like to go on a new 52 run. It's just uh, uh, once uh, Lois actually, like, uh, basically blatted out his secret Id- identity to, to everybody, it's interesting to see how everybody turned against him really quickly. The government <laughs> and basically mostly, like, a whole lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that, that truth storyline was very interesting because it really did put Superman by himself. I mean, he didn't even have his closest allies with him. You know, well, let's see. Keeping it going forward, uh, Mike. What was your favorite story in this issue of Action Comics? Well, like I was saying earlier, my favorite story was the uh, simply continuing on. Um, what was the title we were using? Uh, that one, uh, the Never Ending never battle. battle. The Never Ending Battle. I like the title itself, you know, because Superman is always on a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. In fact, I could recite the whole Adventures of Superman theme with George Reeves, but you probably don't want me to do that. <laughs> not but, yet. Not yet. <laughs> but I could. I could, and I could do it with flair. <laughs> but that was the one I really liked the most. But there were several that I, that I liked. I mean, the, the opening story I liked very much. I don't recall the title right now, but that was the... That, Opening with that strong one was a good way to do it because it captured your attention and, and kept you through. And like I said earlier on, I really appreciated the homage given to the various costumes in the Superman eras you know, that, and, and making the continuity and, and using the newer artwork to carry the Superman S from the 40s and 50s and 60s uh, to the present. I mean, it really showed they were thinking about all generations that are staying up with Superman. Well, they didn't give us the electric suit, though, which was a bummer. I was surprised. Did that even show up in one of the covers? The electric suit. Did not get his electric suit. All right, I skipped the electric suit. Let me, before we move on to the next person, Mike, I mean, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is you brought quite a bit of props here and not just comic books but you have books you have statues you have okay. valentines valentines is that okay. what I mean okay well let me let me be, go quick on it the statue the impressive heroic Superman statue the Man of Steel statue which comes from um do, not Doomsday but um Kingdom oh, Come Kingdom Come how can I miss that <laughs> and connected with Kingdom Come I brought with me a hard paperback of Absolute Kingdom Come, which, if you could see it, it's like 18 inches long and about a foot wide, and it's hard. And at the time, it cost me about 100 bucks. If you had to pay for it now, it might be 200 bucks or more. Yeah, I don't know if you want to pass <laughs> yeah. that around. You might not make no, it back. No, no, it's staying here. Yeah. Just no, might disappear. No, no we're not going to have that. Literally one of my favorite stories of DC Comics. Probably, oh, probably it's, number it, one. It's, it's super powerful. And it's based a lot of it on the Book of Revelation, for those who don't know that. And that, that uh, arc in the biblical Book of Revelation carries over into Superman Kingdom Come. Now, I brought 
My Superman 32 Valentines. <laughs> this is what my, actually what my late wife gave me uh, because she knew of my love for Superman and gave me oh, Valentines. Nice. 32 cards of pure Superman love. <laughs> I brought Final Night Superman Man of Steel for a couple of reasons. One, to emphasize so many of our stories uh, cross over. And while, yeah, it's a business decision, it's also for us, for collectors, just a smart idea to maintain the continuity of the story by buying those issues. There's the main issues, and then there's like 20 spinoffs. <laughs> and I've done that. So that's one of the things I wanted to mention. Books, novels. This is Last Days of Krypton with really nice... You know, an emblem here. And I brought this one to say that comics do go into novels Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, they all have that. And this reminds us of the sci fi Krypton story that's on right now. And I have watched every episode. That goes into such depth. Is it good? It, it is. is good. It is, it is really good. good. I'm about halfway through it. And I, it's, it's pretty much my introduction into Superman. Yes. And it's a pretty good adventure? Yeah. Yes. A good actor. <laughs> yeah. You're saying that that's being done how now? Oh. Well, well, it's actually closer to the six issue miniseries of Krypton. That came out like forty years ago. Oh wow! But this and this that and that goes into two hundred years prior to Superman's birth, and giving his ancestry and working up to Superman becoming Superman. And Adam Strange, whom we know, um, uh, who who teleports to Alpha Centauri to Planet Ran to meet his girlfriend up there. That's a long date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But he appears on Krypton. They're, they're going to be introducing other characters. Hawkman is going to be in there. And I think some, some other, I'll say like grade B uh, heroes to um, you know, maybe spin off with them. I have a theory about Adam Strange on that show. Okay. And I think that, I think that you're going to find out that that's actually Booster Gold. I think he's just using the name Adam Strange. Well, it could be. That could be. And um, that's a good thing. <laughs> from the late nineteen nineties, Superman Peace on Earth. In which in which Superman and this is a great Alex Ross art. Uh, in which Superman goes to goes to Congress and announces he wants to deliver food to as many poor people on Earth as he can in twenty four hours. Now I've made a one man show out of this, taking all the verbiage out of here. But the humanity of Superman comes up. And last, and I'll just hold with this, I brought a couple of Superman record albums that I didn't even know existed. I happened to walk into a a Tim P. um, comic shop, and they had these albums. I had an Amos and Andy, too. We'll skip that. (laughs) How'd I get into So are are these radio shows? These These are radio shows. Uh, put into record albums. Okay. Oh, wow. And I, I've never played them because I don't have a record player. I just picked them up. <laughs> no, those things are so... I used to have one and I, I would love to either find the original or just buy one, but I had yeah. one and, and it basically was this this full-fledged, both sides, record album of the origin of Superman. It starts off, he's he's flying, little girl's crying, her cat's yeah. in the tree, he saves her, and then she's like, how'd you get to be Superman? And, you know, the last days of Krypton all the way up to, and now here I am saving your cat. Yeah. And one, one quick side note on Final Night as to, well, what is that about? And it's really the, it's really the redemption of Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, in which the son 
is like about to turn off and the Justice League can't find a way to turn it back on and his, his Green Lantern and now his parallax uh, identity is going to turn the sun back on as it's about to turn off and turn the earth to a giant ice cube like the whole solar system to a giant ice cube. So a lot of subplots that go into these. That's one thing I emphasize to my non-comic genre friends, that they don't understand that these aren't like just, you know, funny books. These are serious pieces of literature that explore different aspects of the human consciousness and hopes and dreams and characters. So um, you just cannot go wrong in uh, becoming a part of them. Oh, it's very true. It's it's a great hobby, and it's a lot of people have a perception of what comic books are. And I'm glad that the movies are starting to break out. And I wish, obviously, what can be shown on a comic page can't necessarily be shown on a movie screen. But the the depth of character is amazing, and getting to expose people to that because there's a comic for all seasons. You know, if somebody's depressed, you should read this. It'll pull you out of it. There's you know somebody like even Superman. Like I know we've referenced that in many of our talks. You know, people who are suicidal. Superman's power of just being there is amazing enough to save these people. He's not forcing them um, to not commit suicide. He's just showing them that there's more by being more. Um, well, see, And this is an impressive collection, especially I, I love that your Man of Steel statue and your Absolute Kingdom Come. Those are great stories. Um, Ray, what did you find? What was your favorite story in the Action Comics 1000 issue? Um, I'm very nostalgic, so I like the story where it talked about the car from Action Comics number one. Mm. I forgot the name of the story, but the car, the car. <laughs> That's what it's called, yeah. Because that, that was my favorite story. I had as well. no idea like who that guy was or who what, what what any kind of story behind that was, and they they talked about it. And, yeah. It's kind of interesting. And they did a great job because actually I went back and, and read one of the reprints I have of Action Comics. And out of the three guys who basically bully Lois Lane at the dance, the only one who gets named is Butch. And they did a good <laughs> job of, hey, Butch, your car's destroyed and everything. And, and that one was neat because that was Jeff Johns and Richard Donner. And yeah, Richard Donner's famous for giving us Superman the movie. Right. And so, parts yeah. of Superman 2. And he came back and wrote uh, some, some story with, uh, with... Mike, you've got it in your collection there, uh, That Last Son. Yes. Uh, when, when yeah, that's right. Last time with uh, Jeff Johns, right? This yeah. is probably Jeff, what uh, nine years ago. Oh, yes. God, it was a while back. Further actually, back? yeah, further, that's probably it. close to fifteen. No, actually, I'm sorry, not that. Probably nine years is about right. And uh, yeah, when when uh, Jeff Johns took over the the main Superman books, I think like his second or third time on them, he brought Richard Donner with him. That was a great era. Because I don't know if most people know or not, but uh, that's Jeff Johns started out as a assistant to Richard Donner when he was making movies like uh, I don't know if he was making I think it was like Lethal Weapon yeah it was around Lethal Weapon time but yeah he uh, he had started out in the in the Hollywood scene and then moved into making comic books and now he's one of the heads heads of DC Entertainment whatever his new titles are he absorbed all that knowledge and became an entity of power (laughs) when he crashed the car he he feared for his life he saw his life flash before his eyes and he knew oh I have to take over DC Comics Um, Larry did you get a chance to read Action Comics 1000 I have not oh okay I have it I mean I got it from Diane good um just a couple days ago I just haven't had a chance so I'm 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 Flying blind here. <laughs> well, you're going to be in luck. It's, it's, uh, this afternoon, I'm going to hit it. Good, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a murder's row of great talent from all of Superman's era. Um, How about Sam over here? Sam came in late. I know you said you hadn't read, read it yet, but let's. Get, do you have a story about Superman that you uh, 
You like to portray? Well, you guys were all talking about the comics. I'm more familiar with the movies. Um, I'm, I'm getting into more DC comics, and this is being here is actually one of the things that I'm doing to do that. Listening to all you guys talk about it, it's it's great. It's it's making me want to go out and buy as many Superman comics as I can. It's wanting me. It's making me want to finish reading Last Days of Krypton. <laughs> but um, I would say uh, with you, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of like the the original movies, and and uh, even hearing. Uh, from some of my friends who read about uh, Superman getting killed by was it was, was it Doomsday? Yeah, Doomsday. Okay, yeah. I remember what a big deal that was. So even though I I, I didn't read a whole lot of the comics, that's one of the the, the storylines that sticks out the most because it was an important part. I mean, it was worldwide. We oh, were yeah. over, we were over in um, I want to say we were overseas because uh, I was still in the military. Yeah, ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there, there were guys getting issues sent to them overseas, you know, <laughs> reading it and sharing it. So I would say the Doomsday uh, 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 storyline is the one that sticks out right now the most for me. Yeah, I mean, Bill Clinton was in it. I mean, that was a big moment. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton attend the funeral of Superman. <laughs> uh, which, what's the name of the story? And we probably already talked about it, but what's the one where Vandal Savage uh, ended up... Uh, Capturing him. Well, that was never ending battle. That was never ending yeah. battle. Okay, I, was gonna say, I didn't know if that was the title or not, but that was that was that in the car were probably my favorite. Uh, I did like Superman going up, like and showing up to Lex Luthor and being like, "Hey, let's do our annual game of whatever." Oh, the chess. <laughs> playing chess, and he thinks he's getting one over on him, and, and with the kryptonite chains, but. Good old Mother Box is there to save the day. <laughs> I, that was a great shout out to Scott Free, Mr. Miracle. I thought that was great, but I just found it funny. It's like, because Paul Levy, it's, he was a, definitely a mainstream writer and then became one of the president's CCOs of DC Comics. And Neil Adams is very much like Neil Adams. Um, he is Superman also. He has done some amazing stuff. He's the one. Um, I can't remember the documentary. I think it was the Robert Kirkman's comic book series that's running on Secret AMC. History of yeah, Secret History. And I want to say it was like issue two or three or episode two or three. And they talk about how Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster basically went through hell because of their contracts and DC Comics lawyers. And Neil Adams like just heard about this. And he basically, like before Hero, which is a modern-day organization to, you know, I, I love their tagline, let's give these creators a golden age. And it's just great that the industry gives back to make sure that these artists and writers and, and people involved in comic books have a better retirement, have better things. And But anyways, before that was organized, back in the 70s, Neil Adams really championed to make sure that Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster got recognized for creating Superman with the movie tagline, with the byline in the actual comic books, all that stuff. And it's great to see Neil get work. Um, but to me, that story, the game, it was like, how can we find a way to get Neil Adams draw his classic Superman busting those kryptonite chains? And it's like, yeah, we'll just frame it with some chess, and there we go, we'll have that moment. <laughs> so the proprietor of the store we're in right now, Diane, you've... Had you've been around comic books for quite a long time? How about how about you? I, I mean, you're not. I know you're not I particularly read. read them, but <laughs> you you have been around us, the the sweaty, the the nerds, the the ones that have the read handsome. it. What what is it that you've had? You know, story wise, to say about Superman. Don't microphone. I don't have anything to say. About it. <laughs> you don't need it, but you know us. You, you, I mean, when is the time that Chris Shout walked into the Quest. store, kicked the door, and it was like, I need that issue? But I know you, you're a big fan time. of Smallville. <laughs> okay, I watched all Smallville and the movies. See, but, there you go. You know, I don't read the comics, but I, I sell them. I kind of know what goes on. 
Chris keeps me informed. This <laughs> is my go-to guy. But what I wanted to show you guys was Larry donated this. So I was wondering if Larry would want to tell you guys yeah. about it. Okay. So just, we're going to give it to somebody today. Oh, look at that. It's yeah. a... A recreation of issue Action Comics number Those one. Those treasures. Oh, the treasures. Those are beautiful. Okay. Uh, I accept. <laughs> <laughs> I have two of these. Okay. So this is the Treasury Edition of Action Comics number one. It came out in 1974. Um, it's an exact replica of Action Comics number one, including all the ads and all the sub stories. And. Um, as I said, my comics are minty fresh, so... <laughs> <laughs> I was showing it around, and people were just like, oh! Oh, those are beautiful, because honestly, I mean, back in that era, it, nah. it is an exact duplicate. Wow. wow. I mean, so it, the only, only way you would... If it wasn't the size of a, a Life magazine, <laughs> it'd be worth a lot of money. <laughs> yes, it would. Oh, it still is, because honestly, oh, in that era, you didn't even have reprints. I mean, people, right. like... And, uh, you know, 1938, so we're talking, we've, we're pre-World War II, comic books were destroyed, you know, part of yeah. the paper collection. And so finally, like, I think it was Jules Pfeiffer who really did a good job of, like, wow, we have the Silver Age of Comics, let's go back and get those Golden Age books, reprint them, start putting them out there. And the, the, when DC did those first editions, oh, those were beautiful books. And yeah, they were just giant face smiles. I mean, as he was showing us, the last page was, you know, buy your x-ray glasses for a nickel and all those neat things. So when my dad was in the military, he lost, he would always tell me and my brother, yeah, I have action comics from one. We were like, no way. No fucking way. Like, we're going to be millionaires later on. So, so I always told friends, man, my dad's got the first Prince of Superman. Like, like what do your dad have? I get older. And I find out it's a 1988 reprint. <laughs> <laughs> but even well, though, you know, it's fine, but it I think that book like, it's, it's like 75 bucks. I mean, you'll have a good weekend, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not the same. Yeah, not the same. And as, as an well, adult, being a collector, lying, just <laughs> being a first appearance whore, yeah. Yeah. not the yeah. same. Not the same. Uh, you, you know, with, um, with action number one, if you had one page, that would be like. Twenty thousand bucks for one page <coughs> torn out of the I'm comic. I'm gonna slap whoever tore that page <laughs> out. <laughs> and if you had the whole book, well, yeah, man, it, it gets auctioned like for a couple of million bucks. Oh yeah. And from Action Comics one to one thousand, I mean, look at the journey we've had and the things we've been <laughs> able to see. One, but I have a hundred. Oh, here we go. Oh, so Larry's pulled out a, a CGC copy of Action Comics 100, 6.5 rating, and this came out September of 1946, and that was the basically like one of the first one hundred first comic books to reach 100, and it was just so great because they did the classic. Well, Detective beat it though, so at that point, <laughs> Detective actually might have might have gotten there. But it's just so neat, and I always love these covers. Like anniversary issues are great, but this one's neat because you have Clark Kent and Superman on the same cover, and you're like, "How could this be? This is what kind of witchcraft is this?" You know, and I don't even know if Mister McZippleplick. I don't know that we're gonna we could spend a whole episode how to say how to say that name, but it's like, is he involved? I, I don't even know if he was created yet. You know, pronounced that pretty good. I've never even. <laughs> but uh, but another oh, shout out to another <laughs> another shout out to me. I think one of the because I, I think what's neat about here at the collection of people we've got is not necessarily everybody's a comic book reader. You know, it could be TV shows like Krypton or, or Smallville. But one of the best Superman shows I think 
and I, I'd be curious to pull you guys on this and see what you think, but Superman the Animated Series, I think that was fantastic. I love how they, they integrated Brainiac into the destruction of Krypton, that first three episodes, you know, really showcasing the Kents, um, raising Clark, a young Clark, and, and expanding upon some of those moments that were gleamed in Superman the movie, and just and honestly giving uh, Mom, Pa, Kent more of a voice. And even then, another one that makes me think of that is Lois and Clark, the new adventure of Superman. Yep. Yeah. I know that yeah, was I, just I that. pure like romance TV that was, shows, that but was a prime, it was great. Prime romantic uh, our drama, and yeah, it, it pulled me in. That was probably my first foray into Superman before actually watching any of the movies and like that, so... Uh, you know, uh, he's a he's a different looking Superman. He's not, you know, Dean Cain as Superman probably wasn't what they originally looked, but I thought he pulled it off. It, it was it was good enough for me. Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane was yes. was amazing. <laughs> They're Lex Luthor. I, I can't remember that. John Shea. There you go. Yeah, he. I thought that was like that's exactly what I expect from Lex Luthor. And then you know, the animated series, like you said, had the businessman super had, had the businessman Lex Luthor as opposed to the si- mad scientist Lex Luthor and. I think that was what ushered in the age or the new age for Luther and you know how he was going to take down Superman in any way he could. Well, I like that Lex Luthor because he was a dick. <laughs> I mean, Gene Hackman's a great actor, but you know, and, and like, and then Kevin Spacey turned out to be a real life villain as well. But, like, <laughs> but yeah, did himself. Yeah, you know, but I mean, like, but the, the, the God, now I forget the actor's name. Josh. John Shea, he did such a great job. Like his Lex Luthor uh, season one. I mean, as the show progressed, then it started getting weird sci-fi Lex Luthor. But that was that was a great run. Great um, Let me. Let's throw out something maybe for a future broadcast, and that's to talk about all of the characters around Superman. Yes. I mean, Lex Luthor by himself, I mean, he's like evolved from the mad scientist, all he wants to do is kill Superman, to this mega billionaire who becomes president of the United States. Huh. Where have we heard of this before? <laughs> <laughs> and he's just in it for himself. You know, it's funny with the election, regardless of where you stand. It's funny with the election happening. They brought President Lex, the trade paperback, into publication, and you know, it's like the they can care less. But it's like, hey, let's put this out there. There's some money to be made off of that. I guess that was the next question I was going to ask anybody. Was there any particular point of Superman, character of Superman, that they felt? You know, wasn't represented in Action Comics 1000 that they would have liked to have seen. You know, I'm gonna I say, did. or go ahead, go ahead, go for it, go right. The reaction of the the people, the reaction. I don't know. I, I, I mean, we've we've said it several times about the death of Superman, right? But as a fan, when you hear read that the death of Superman, that was pretty detrimental. So how come there wasn't a story about that <laughs> to the fans, like how what that meant for the fans or what that meant for you know, the fictional characters of the story. Out of curiosity, did you ever read Day of Doom? Uh, it was like basically the death of Superman, like part three, Dan Jurgens did it. And it kind of piggyback off that idea. But I mean, that'd be great to have that moment of like, you know, here it is a couple years later and you see people reflecting on it or even, you know, I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. I have that. Yeah. Or even Mitch. What was his, uh, the, the character Mitch uh, that his family, yeah, yeah, their outburst. house was destroyed. Yeah. yeah. Mitch, you know, like it would be neat to kind of see him reflect on that. You know, like, ah, I remember when that happened. My parents were getting divorced and our home got destroyed by this dude with one arm tied behind his back. <laughs> I saw a guy Gardner, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, but it'd be like a cool to story that, that could have been in that, in that, in that issue would have been like, um, remember Blue Beetle? How yes. badly oh, beaten yeah. he got by Doomsday? That yeah. was it was a little side story about how Superman came to his side and, hey, buddy, 
thanks for sticking up there for me while and I took care of it, you know? Yeah, that's Some not small a, yeah. things, I never you know? thought of that. That's actually genius. I like, like Blue Beetles, he got destroyed. Oh, God, yeah. Well, like, Ted Cord got destroyed many times. Sometimes real. he didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> he almost didn't from that one. I mean, he was put in a coma. Oh, that was Guy hard. Garner got punked. Yeah, his face was all <laughs> yeah. puffed out. He couldn't even see how to fire his ring. He had to, like, hold his hand for him. <laughs> and Booster got kicked into space, right? Well, he got punched out, and luckily Superman caught him. Yeah. But his costume got destroyed, so he couldn't do anything but be a dude. Doomsday don't play around. But what's interesting about Doomsday is that, like, you see, when when you read the death of Superman, you read that he was just this monster that destroyed Superman, and you're like, how can that be possible that this big, huge, monstrous monster just kills him? But what they did later on, and they revealed, was that Doomsday was actually a a byproduct of Kryptonian um, heritage, and that's the reason why he was able to stand toe-to-toe. Yeah, no, that's true. They went back. I think it was like a Doomsday Year One annual, and they showed that mm-hmm. like he was, or no, actually it was Doomsday Superman, Doomsday Hunter and Prey. It was yes, the immediate yes. sequel, Dan yes. Jurgens, and they put more foreshadowing because I think a lot of fan backlash was like because I remember that era where it's like you know who takes down Batman and Superman, Bane and Doomsday. And you're like, who the hell are these new guys? Why do they get the big moment? You know, and, and then they go through and basically reveal that yeah, like this guy's like you know they they put him out there to be destroyed by the most horrible creatures on on Krypton and they take its DNA reclone it and that's why he was able to be like he can't be killed the same way twice and all these things yeah yeah oh, that was a big one um, you know something I found that was interesting that I'm surprised they didn't really take a big moment on it with Action 1000 because that's also Lois Lane's anniversary because if you think about all the characters in Superman's you know cast she's been there since issue one you know like I hope when they do a big anniversary for Batman Jim Gordon was the only character besides Bruce Wayne and Batman to survive that one. So I think they should have really had a big moment there for her as well. I mean, yes, it's a great celebration of Superman, but you'd think with you know the, the, the market getting a lot bigger and a lot more fans being involved, especially they're doing a lot of initiative to get women and girls into this, I think that would have been a neat moment for them to do something there. That's a good point. I never thought of it that way. And for me personally, when I read through it, I thought it was perfect the way it was. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, it has the, the, the weirdness and the craziness from Action Land. Right, Paul Dini does a good job of showcasing that and how oh, yeah. a, a Superman story can be wacky and out of this world faster than a speeding bullet. That was something that was able to show Brad Meltzer. I don't know, just reading that story and how sometimes Superman he can't get there in time. He's not faster mm. than a speeding bullet, yes. and yeah. that, was that was really a good. good. Story. Yeah, great story. And then from there, also the enemy within, which surprisingly didn't have Superman in it at all until the last page, showing that he has faith in humans to be able to take care of themselves. We got the fun of never-ending battle, and then you made a really good point about. The, the death of Superman and how, you know, we didn't get a story on how they're mourning him. But I felt another way to look at that, too, is the first story kind of more, not mourn, but to celebrate his life. So I think that it kind of takes a little bit of that, but great points. And that's what I liked about this. It gives me a couple different stories where I can get a little taste of all the things that make Superman so awesome. I, I didn't read Action Comics 997 or 998 <laughs> or 999. But we haven't talked about one thing this whole time we've been at this table. Oh, what you got? <laughs> when did he start putting the red pants on or the red underwear? This issue. This issue. Yeah. But did they, did they explain why? Uh, you <laughs> see a little bit of the, in Bendis' story yeah. where the, the, the waitresses, they're like, oh, he put his trunks on, and that's it. It's, 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 I think <laughs> it's know? something about hope in his planet. I don't remember what, that's what, that's what they are saying. But yeah, yeah it's, they the it's essentially they just, they're just bringing it back because that's the way they – People remember Superman as having the red trunk, so 
they're bringing it back. Oh, I, yeah. Me personally, I thought I don't think you need to have the trunks, but no, because I thought about wearing underwear on the outside today. <laughs> I thought about it. Only you know, it's item red. At the conventions, DC Comics was giving away Superman underwear. <laughs> and it would ha- on the back on the on the ass side hashtag the trunks are back and like literally they, they would have this big yes. celebration talking Superman and like here's Dan Didio throwing underwear into the audience. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so go to eBay, see if you get yourself a pair. I used to have an anti-Superman friend insult me about those trunks, <laughs> and I said, "No, I love those trunks. We're going to keep them. <laughs> so, I, I, so bring them back." Yeah, I like it. I'm necessarily because it's like I mean, I did appreciate the costume for what it was, and like when they like it's funny because when when rebirth happened and they gave him that pretty much all blue suit, it was like oh, it's it just seemed bland, and they they kind of backpedaled and they said, "Okay, we'll give you back the red boots," and it's okay, it's got a little bit more colorful, but I like those red trunks because I feel like it just breaks it up a little bit more instead of it just being this blue brick from red boots to kind of red belt to symbol. I felt those definitely gave it a little bit more color. What, what also, we got? just uh, it's it is actually it's a product of the character the people who created it. Oh yes, like, yeah. because of their their love for like for weightlifting and bodybuilding of the time. Shout out! And so I think erasing them from that stuff is no like, way. Like ah, like I you guys are buttholes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Those circus men that. of the day. They, oh, you know, they would, right. When they yeah. modeled yeah. that off those posters, those colorful, crazy sure. costumes. Bruno yeah. San Martino. Yeah, no, so I, and I think it's pivotal, and it's kind of funny because I've been looking at a lot of the, the Superman art coming out of it, and it's funny because it basically looks like they're drawing, you know, that Superman that we've seen from the '60s to you know just before New Fifty Two, and all they do is just add that new little cuff on his wrist, and it's like, but here's the cost, the classic costume. We'll just put that little cuff, and that's what makes it modern. But I'm glad they're back, you know. So to wrap it up, uh, I want to talk about where does everybody think Superman's going to be going from this point forward. Action Comics 1000 into Action Comics 2000. I mean, if that's another 80 years if we all exist. I personally think that Bendis should not be in um, doing Superman. Really? Why is that? Yeah, why, yeah. Why, what is your hatred of Bendis? Bendis <laughs> Did he betray Marvel by leaving? Is that? No, no. But my, my views kind of changed when you were talking about John Byrne. So I'm a big Marvel fan. So when John Byrne went from Marvel to DC to do Man of Steel, Man of Steel was dope. You know, it was really good. Yeah. So my view kind of changed within the last hour because of what you said. Oh, no. <laughs> but how I feel that Bendis, you know, he's a superstar writer for Marvel, and he's written every character Marvel had. I, I don't think that because of that resume, he automatically gets the flagship whole character. Because um, he had to work himself up in Marvel, you know, doing creator own stuff, and then boom, he got Spider-Man and, and then everything else. And even then, he got Ultimate Spider-Man, which and he yeah. made Ultimate Spider-Man almost better than Six One Six Spider-Man. And, and essentially, that's where we get our Marvel Cinematic Universes from the Ultimate Universe. I mean, yeah. so it, I'll bet you there's some dude in the DC office is like, "Fuck Bendis, <laughs> I should have got that job." He came from Marvel. They paid him a bunch of money they could have paid me. You know, know? Jeff Jones. No, No, I think he's he's already written so much of Superman. I think I I would I would think that if I was one of the writers at DC, it'd be daunting to have to take on the Man of Steel to take on Superman. That's that's a lot of legacy, and you know, there's gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna make a hundred percent of everybody happy. You're gonna get. 
probably 60% of the people being like, you're doing a shitty job. So, <laughs> yeah. he, and, and now in this day age of Twitter, yeah. Facebook, yeah. you know, internet, you're just going to have a barrage of people flinging hate at you, and you just have to sit there and take it and, well, and write the best story you can. What I took from that last, that last story was, oh, now this character looks like Doomsday, and you're going to try to rehash some things that, was, that made money back in the 90s. Your character's not Doomsday, and your character's shit. And but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna collect this Man of Steel, wow. not, not for you, not for DC. I like Jim Lee. Is Jim Lee doing it? Yeah. Okay. Well, he'll be one of the artists. It'll no, actually be oh, okay. rotating artists with each issue. I just, I just think, I just think that someone else. There's clearly someone in the DC offices. Someone clearly that could have been done a, done a better job. You know, I. I I, I don't think he earned his right. You know, I kind of even though he is the hugest writer of Marvel, he just doesn't earn his right for Superman. Well, Go write Booster Gold. <laughs> um, I think it was last week they had a, a big bang through. Everybody, anybody watch that? Because I, I love that show. Yes. <laughs> and, not, not the most current stuff, but I watched it. And um, Sheldon Cooper, he's over at the comic book shop, and we find out that he has this this. The secret fetish that he's he's got to have Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, but nobody could find out because it's the lamest comic. <laughs> but, oh yeah. Um, why I brought it up was um, I think this has happened before back in the '60s when um, DC stole Kirby from Marvel. Um, oh. Jack Kirby, and this is I think this is his first comic he did. Superman's pal Jimmy, and he brought and when he introduced Dark Seed. What yeah. what number is that? This is the one right before the Dark Seed. This is one thirty three. That's nice. And nice. fifteen cent cover issue. Yes. <laughs> Good old days. <laughs> but I believe, I believe Lobo was on there, but <laughs> but you but you know but backing up what Ray's saying on that though, but when Kirby came, when they got him to come over, they didn't give him Kirby Superman. They gave him Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. That's right. So it's like you could have it, and even then, the sad truth was when he would draw Superman, they didn't like his face. So they'd have Kurt Swan come in and yep, draw a Superman exactly. head on top of that. Mm. It's like, whoa, wait a second! Like, mm. you know, you're 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 taking apart somebody, and even then, his whole fourth world storyline kind of, we're going to put this to a quick halt, and here you go. Mm. You know, so that was a shame because, but I mean, then again, John Byrne though, when he when they Marvel poached him over. They gave him the keys to the kingdom in that regard. So it's kind of funny. So I think they learned with Kirby. They kind of screwed up. So the next time they get that big talent, it's like, here's the big fish, here you go. But you're right. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, because like Dan Jurgens had a, a couple more issues. And they had some like solicited hardcovers and stuff like that. And then all that gets wiped out. He'll get one issue special to kind of close his run. So it is, it's a tough call on that. But I contradict myself because, you know, John Romita Jr. went from Marvel. And he went to... That's true, they did. And he did Superman and create that cool new power he has. So I don't know, but I just think that Bendis doesn't have the right. I don't want I don't want Bendis on the on the book. I want someone else. <laughs> I want you on the book. Chris. Hey, I, I want you writing Superman. I would. I I got some stories, man. With a I'm, guest appearance of Green Lantern in every single issue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, anybody else? Anybody else have any speculation or hopes for Superman going forward from Action Comics 1000? I am hopeful for it. But at the same time, I don't like that they took out uh, Super Sons, Trinity, and a whole bunch of others uh, just to bring him in. That's the one thing I do not like. I mean, I'll I'll give his uh, you know his action comics and everything else a chance. It's just 
I do not like that they took out all of those ones. Hmm. It's just, come on. <laughs> Super Sons was so great. <laughs> Super Sons are we talking about? The, the new yeah. one from the... the yeah, with, with yeah. new Superboy John Kent right. and new Robin. Super Sons in Back in the day, time, yeah. You know, the teenagers. Those were cool. Yeah. Well, I like to see Lex Luthor back in a bigger role. I mean, he became president. Make him head of the UN, and he's going to like like have his tentacles in every country in the world to enrich himself and turn everyone against Superman, saying he is an illegal alien. Let's boot him. <laughs> I mean, right now he's. Is he still a hero? Is he still a, Luther? Still, does Luther still wear the, the super S? No, I think he finally gave, he up, gave his, up his. Yeah. yeah, he gave up his Man of Steel suit, and he's kind of phasing himself back into LexCorp. Uh, so obviously, the bad stuff's going to start happening, <laughs> <laughs> which is a shame. Did you Did you enjoy? Lex I Luther love as, Lex Luthor. The redemption of Lex Luthor is one of the best things that happened with new comic books. I thought personally, uh, very much was neat to see him. Show like because it's always been one of those things. I always thought that was one of the best things about Superman when he would confront Luther. He's like, "You could have cured cancer. You could have done all these amazing things, but you held onto this petty grudge." And then once New Fifty Two Superman died, Lex stepped up to the plate. And you know, even when Post Crisis Superman came in, he's like, "You're Luther. No matter what planet, what Earth we're on, you can't trust the Luther." <laughs> but Luther still like stood up and he he did the right thing. He 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 tried, and I thought that was great. No, he needs to stay evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that was a that was a great discussion. I want to thank everybody for coming in and and uh, sharing their views, their thoughts, their their hopes for Superman. And uh, I want to say, you know, thank you, Diane, once more for giving us a place to do, to Shout have out. this d- discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely do it. This is our third time yeah, doing yeah, it here. And, uh, yeah. Well, and also, too, like, congratulations. Let's give her a round of applause. 28 years of serving the Yuma area with comic books, games, everything. Yeah. Key culture. Yeah. Yeah. 28 yeah. years of that. Yeah. Also, if you're in the area, uh, this first Saturday of May, so right after you've... Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Infinity War moved up, so a week after that, but in our local area at the library, there'll be the Free Comic Book Day Con, the YumaCon, and there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff. If you are looking to continue reading Man of Steel, so we've got our first first taste of an Action 1000, the Wednesday, so that would be May 2nd if I'm doing my math right, yep. that Wednesday they'll have DC, DC Nation Zero. It's a 25-cent comic. It's already pre-ordered over a million copies. You're going to have three major stories in there. Basically, Joker learning about the Batman-Catwoman wedding, uh, the first part of Justice League post-No Justice, and then another continuing chapter of Man of Steel. So that's going to be where we're going to see more of the new mythos of Superman. And then that following Saturday, go out there, get all your free comic books. Uh, We're going to be doing some stuff at our local areas. If you're not in the Yuma area, you're one of our listeners, and you're wherever you're at, thank you for listening. But wherever you are, go out there, get some free comic book days, mingle with people, talk Superman, talk we'll Justice League, everybody. But yeah, well, locally, I mean, you're more welcome to come to Yuma <laughs> yeah. and come to the library and, and listen to us geek out about comics. But like I said, wherever you're at, your your hometown definitely get out there and there's going to be a lot of great stuff marvel's got some great comics uh the new captain america that's going to be coming out of it some avenger stuff so a lot of great like this i i really haven't been excited about free comic book day in a while i am this time and again that dc nation zero book a lot of great stuff so if you're like i know a lot of people always ask like well when should i jump on and collect comics and all of us here at this table are very well versed but this wednesday it's going to be exciting for all of us to be a brand new fan 
If you want to get a hold of myself or Chris, you can find us on Twitter. I am Mitch, or I am at Mitchipedia G E R on Twitter. Chris is also on Twitter. I am at Stuff I Should Say, should being spelled S H U D. FanQuest, you can find on Facebook. Yes. It's FanQuest Games and Comics. FanQuest is the business page, and FanQuest Comics and Games. Comics and Games. Okay. And uh, the the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. At Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out our website for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to Geek Out! We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.